You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. While you were skipping stones, building forts and flying kites, I was missing school and on my Saturday nights. Other kids were climbing trees and rolling down hills. I was singing songs to pay my family's bills. Little me. Hello, I'm Mark Tuminelli, and welcome back to Little Me Growing Up Broadway. My guest today made her Broadway debut at the age of 15 in the original cast of Spring Awakening. By the age of 17, she received a Tony nomination for creating the role of Natalie in the Pulitzer Prize-winning musical Next to Normal. Her other Broadway credits include the original Mary Jane in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark and Jean in American Psycho. Her film and TV credits include B-Side, Fourth Man Out, Emily and Tim, American Dresser, the Surrogate, It Could Be Worse, and Gossip Girl. Please welcome Jennifer Damiano. Yes. Did I get some of that right? You got it all right. I was just like, the film and TV credits was making me laugh. But yes, <laughs> that's all correct. That's my life right there. I just do a little Googling and I put it together. Hey, it's all um, out there. Let me tell you. It's all out there. I had to leave off a lot of stuff. You've done, a, you've been very busy since you're a child. So we're going to get, <laughs> since you're a child, we are going to get into it. To be a teenage Broadway star is just like not something that happens often. So right. I'm trying to hear your story and what it was like backstage for you and uh, all the insanity that, you know, kind of came up that, but let's go, <laughs> let's go even further back. So where did you get your start? You're kind of from the Westchester, New York area. So yeah. you're like a kid Broadway adjacent. Tell me what you were doing at home that made your mom or dad or whoever put you in dance class or whatever it was. Dance class. Well, I, that was definitely not <laughs> my number one skill, but I was in dance class. Um, I was, I sang a lot around my house, but not like I don't know. I was a very like quiet, like I wasn't your typical Broadway like kid, like running around the house. Like I didn't know every show. I, I wasn't always like belting, but I would like sing sometimes. And my parents um, got me into, into voice lessons. And they also had some friends who had agents in the city and would go on like commercial auditions with their kids. So we got connected with my first agent through like a family friend and I started doing commercials and then that just kind of led to, to musical theater. But obviously what you're getting at is my incredible career before Broadway um, at the Terrytown Music Hall. And with the Random Farms Kids Theater. With the Random Farms Kids Theater. Honestly, best time of my life. <laughs> I was... Um, I had so much fun. Oh my gosh. And I played roles in Random Farms that I would, would slash will never, ever be able to play. Talk on, to me. Tell on me what Broadway. you played at the Magical Random Farms Kids Theater in Westchester. If you're listening at home, check out randomfarms.org. It is a magical youth theater in uh, Terrytown and Elmsford. But go ahead. Tell me what roles it's you played there. Best. It's the best. I literally had the best time of my life. Um, so I was Cinderella in Cinderella. Obviously, obviously. And um, Marion in The Music Man. Now you starred in The Music Man with one John Mara, friend of the podcast, who yes. I love very much. And we're very grateful for him because he set us up today. But um, so yes. you started opposite John Mara in The Music Man. And was that also your first stage kiss? That was my first stage kiss. And John and I were like best friends. And I was so nervous about it. Like I 
could not have been more nervous about it. It was so weird, but uh, we got through it. <laughs> um, yeah, we were always just like laughing and cracking each other up on stage. But we, yeah, I, I was very comfortable with him at that point because he was also my prince in Cinderella and he was the scarecrow when I did Wizard of Oz with RFKT as well. Oh you, had, um, you had quite a time at the RFKT at what the a time. There should be like a plaque of you. There is one <laughs> in the Elmsford studio, but there should be one in the Terrytown. Okay. So you're doing all these shows at Random Farms and obviously you're good because you're getting the lead and it's not, and you know, it's like kind of competitive. So you yeah. must know like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this. Right. Yeah. Well, so my first show with RFKT before any of those was Annie and I was like, I was just an orphan. I was a orphan random orphan. 42. Orphan 42. I had one line. It was, how'd you get him in here when Sandy comes into the orphanage? And, and it was like my big moment. Oh, but you like, were in Dream Annie, which was like the combination of the movie and the musical. Was that? Oh, I, oh, you mean with the Sandy we song? It, we call it, yeah, Dream Annie. Yes. Yes. So I was yes. in that. So I had a, yeah, <laughs> that line. That Yes, that's not like a real version right. of it that people can do. Okay, so you're so a line I had of- a line, but you know, I was not one of the main orphans. I was like not, you know, I wasn't your typical like. I didn't have that much personality, I guess by like the Broadway kids' standards. You know, I was just like a little more shy and weird. But um, once, yeah, once I got a little older, it started working out a little more to. Um, to my advantage, uh, me and John had a relationship, but it just like always worked that, you know, I would, I would get to, I don't know, play these roles for whatever reason. Um, there was a time that I was driving home with John from, was it Susical? I don't even know. Cause John didn't do Susical, but it was, I think it was the music man. And we were listening to wicked. We were listening to the wicked soundtrack in the car. And I remember sobbing. I don't even know if John remembers this, but I remember just crying to him and being like, I feel like I could really do this with my life. Like, I feel like I I have to do this. Like, it was just like a moment, like a really cathartic moment of being like, I don't just want to do it here. I want to do it everywhere. I want to be, you know, on Broadway. I feel like it, it was just like a moment of, of being like, I, I I need to make this happen somehow. And then you know, I just got really lucky that this whole the rock- stars aligned. So I mean- were you were you auditioning with for all of those little kid shows that were happening on Broadway around that time, like the Mary Poppins and the Annie Revival and all of those things? Were you going in for those kinds of shows? No, no, nothing, nothing. Spring Awakening, I I don't, I didn't audition for any Broadway shows before that. Wow. I yeah, none of that. It was like a strictly like teenage vibe. But like before that, yeah, I wasn't um again, Broadway kid and Broadway teen, they're so different, you know? Uh-huh. Now, um, you were an American girl? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget. Is this just what it's like to get older? You're like, oh right. Yes, I was also an American girl. That was kind of like my bridge between RFKT and like, Being re- a like Broadway. Yeah. Okay. Tell the people about the American Girl doll show at the American Girl store. Okay. So, yes, the American Girl store has um, a a theater inside of it that you might not know about. And they put on a show. There were four different casts of girls because we were young. You know, we were going to school, whatever. Um, And they were like a contemporary group of friends that went back in time and told stories as the American girl dolls. And like every single girl had like a struggle that she would overcome and sing a song about it. And it was very beautiful. It was really fun. Um, and who did you play in the American girl show? I played Josefina. Okay. I mean, <laughs> how was... much Josefina stuff did you have in your like bedroom? <gasps> that wasn't that Josefina wasn't my girl. I had uh, Molly and I had Samantha. Everyone has um, Samantha. That's yeah, I went what? on to play Samantha as well, but mm-hmm. not never Molly. And Molly had the big tap number. Oh yeah, I was I guess I'm kind of still sad about that. I never got to play Molly. <laughs> well, maybe in the Broadway revisal. Let's yes. um, <laughs> let's talk. I have to talk to you about the Sex in the City promo where you play young Charlotte. 
I am dead. Like John definitely sent you my like secret bio. I found um, the American Girl online. Oh my god! John did tell me about uh, Sex of the City, so that had to have been like a big moment in your childhood. Yeah, well, that was the first time I ever went to LA. Um, so the commercial audition was in New York. I had never, obviously, I didn't watch the show at the time. I was like, I hope not. I can't even remember. I was 12, maybe 13, 12. But like we did a little scene as the girls when they were in, you know, high school in the cafeteria and then one like in the library where we were all just like talking about life and boys the way that they do, you know, in the show when they're like at brunch every day. Um, And yeah, so I played Charlotte when she was when she was in high school and they, they flew us to L.A., and it was like, so yeah, fancy. it was so fancy. I was like, what? But that was really fun. And I feel like no one um, knows I did that. <laughs> well, they know it now. They I'm trying know. to find a video of it. So I'm working on that. My Stay mom, please. Instagram. My mom, she has a DVD and she okay. keeps it hidden to show people. I'm going to try to find it. We have to transition and talk about this big spring awakening moment. Tell me about when that audition came up for you. Were you like, this is my moment? What were you thinking? Talk to me about it. So I was actually really excited because, you know, they were looking for kids my age. They wanted like a pop rock song. And I was like, okay, like that's way more up my alley than a standard Broadway tune. Um, I sang Torn by Natalie Imbruglia. Yes. Best audition of my life. Honestly, I sang Torn for almost every audition I've ever had. But it's such a good audition song. Um, it's a great song. I'm writing it down for my yes. Torn, torn is amazing. But you could really tell I'm a story. All right, I'm torn. I'm obsessed. Yeah, and great even in, in my first audition for casting, they had me like slow it down and like do it really like a really slow ballad, like looking out into the distance. And I was like, okay, this is yeah. Anyway, it's a great audition song. Um, but I went in for casting. And then, yeah, I got a call back, um, and then went in for the whole team. And then, yeah, I, I just, it just, it's, it's weird because at the time my mom obviously was getting the calls, not me, I guess. Um, so I'm like, what actually did happen? I mean, I got a couple of callbacks and then I got the part. And I remember my friend, you must know Robbie Hager. Yeah who was in Spring Awakening and from Westchester, he also auditioned and he heard that he got it on Friday and I hadn't heard anything. And I was like, oh my God. So like I didn't get it. And then I got a call on Monday um, because I guess my agents were out of the office on Friday. How How did your family react to this like big, huge moment for you? They were so excited. Honestly, my parents were so so supportive like of me they drove me in and out of the city for so many auditions like bumper to bumper traffic after school you know they were really really happy for me yeah and what did you know about spring awakening going into it were you like this is going to be this edgy thing or did did you have a lot of background information on the project so i actually saw the show the summer before at when it was at the atlantic um and i yeah, I couldn't imagine that within a year I'd be in the show, but I just remember being like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. Um, and I actually auditioned because my mom saw, I had an agent at the time, but got the audition because my mom saw it in, in backstage. Yeah, um, mom. I know. I know. She hit the ground running. So you were originally <laughs> hired for the Broadway company to cover uh, Leah Michelle's role as well mm-hmm. as being on stage track, but cover yeah. Leah Michelle and a bunch of other women, but that did not really work out. Can you tell the story about what happened with you covering uh, Leah Michelle? Cause it's a wild, such a cool story. It's so wild. And thank God they didn't know this information before casting me. Otherwise m- my entire life maybe would have been different, but they, you know, hired me under the impression that I'd be able to cover this role. Um, there is, you know, simulated sex on stage, as everyone knows. It's what the show, you know, it's it pushed the boundaries. It's what it did. And um, they learned that I actually at the time was too young to do that. Um, you so, cannot simulate sex on stage when you're like 14. That's not. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, a, it was 17 and, you know, um, they called me into the stage manager's office and they were like, we just learned this information. So then 
They had uh, Krista Rodriguez, who was covering Ilsa, cover Vendla as well. And then they gave me um, the uh, the opportunity to cover Ilsa so that I had, you know, some More other time. bigger role to cover. But yeah, what a situation. I mean, who knew? And I'm telling you, thank God they didn't know. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty crazy. And it's sad because I would have loved to go on for that yeah. role. I don't know if I would have actually been as, you know, fully as prepared as I thought maybe I was at 15. But nowadays I'm like, wow, that would have been really fun to do. You were the youngest person in the show, right? Yes. Okay. What was that experience like? Just having slightly older teenagers, you know, kind of, do you feel like the youngest? Not really because Lily, Lily Cooper was 16. Remy Zakin, I think Remy was 17 or 18 at the time. Gerard was pretty young as well. And the four of us did tutoring together. So we had that, you know, to bond us. But um, mostly I just didn't live in the city. Um, That, if anything, was a barrier. I guess if I, like, I was always sleeping over at Lily's house and like trying to seem like we had these normal, cool, like, you know, adult lives, but we still had like school and I always had to like go back home on the train and it was just a lot. But yeah, looking back now at, you know, some of those cast members being like 25 at the time, they must've just been like, oh, Jen, like you're so young. Like I look at someone who's like 23 now and I'm just like, my the youth, the youth. <laughs> So like I can't imagine what they all thought of me. And and yeah, looking back, I'm like, Jesus, I my my brain was my brain was 10 years away from even being like close to fully formed. So like <laughs> I mean, how do you handle that level of pressure from going from doing random farm shows where you get to do two performances and you move on to the next thing that all of a sudden now you're spending a sort of year in a Broadway, huge hit Broadway musical, which we'll get to in a second, where you're covering multiple tracks and you're, you know, it's the hottest show in New York. Talk to me about how you take all that on it being in, what are you in ninth or 10th grade at the time? 10th grade. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where I feel like I was too young to even really understand the pressure, if that makes sense. Like I'd be more anxious now to go through something like that just because I understand the stakes more. But at the time I was like, this is my life. I go to school, I take the train, I do this show and I, you know, and that's what it is. And I didn't really get nerves or stage fright until a little bit later in my life. Um, so I never really... I was probably really stressed and didn't realize it. I'm sure it took a toll, but um, it kind of was just like this wild after school experience that I didn't really think too hard about. I was just like, this is what I do. You know, this is my after school club. You go to your book <laughs> and I go to spring awakening was how were the kids in your school? I mean, to be in school and also have these other kids that maybe want to do theater or think it's really weird that you go into New York and do this show every day. Did any of that affect you at all? No, I mean, I was super, super tight already with my high school friends and like, they're the best. They're the least, you know, concerned with the theater industry people in the entire world. So they definitely kept me grounded. Um, It was like weird that I, you know, wasn't able to hang out with them in the same way that I, that I had been. I didn't, you know, go to prom my, you know, just little things that were like, that I just, you know. Yeah, we kind of had to separate in like certain ways, but we're still all like uh, best friends now. Like we're very tight now, but there was a period of time where I kind of, you know, was on my own journey and it was just, I tried to balance it, but that was difficult, but there was no big, horrible, like fight or It's being horrible to you. That's good. I like, I like to hear that. So the cast got a lot of attention. Like everyone was like little mini instant celebrities when you're in like, (laughs) a show that's hot and everyone's young and good looking and talented. How much of that goes to your head or how much did you see that go to the people around you to be like, Whoa, like, I don't want to, I don't want to be that. Um, I mean, honestly, it's so funny. And I'm not even, um, just saying this, like I didn't even really think about that. And I didn't really see that from anyone. Everyone was just so very much who they were in their personality, you know, and like everyone, yeah, it it was just, I didn't really notice um, a change in people as much as just 
we were all uh, actually really close and would hang out all the time. But obviously, when that wasn't happening, you know, certain people obviously had more responsibility in terms of, of publicizing, you know, the show. Is that even a word? I feel like. Yeah, I think publicizing a- is <laughs> absolutely a word. What do you remember about that Tony's night? So this is probably your first experience of yeah. being at the Tony's or maybe you had gone before. I don't know what American Girl was doing at the Tony's, but <laughs> talk to me about that Spring Awakening Tony's because that was like had to have been such a huge night for you. That was so cool. I mean, we took, we had a mat, I think we had a matinee that day. We took a bus. Um, we, you know, got our pictures taken. Everyone won everything. And we were just like chilling. And I, I, and you I guys even, got to go. You didn't have to, you got to sit in seats and watch your cast, right? Yes. We sat in seats and watched. A lot of times that watched. is not what happens. Right. And then we also, you know, performed and then, um, yeah. I mean, the rest of that night there was, there was a party and it was just, yeah, it was, it's, it's like I mean, the greatest. why can't I like remember my life? Like, it's, no, it's all right. It's so weird. It probably feels like these weird flashes of like, did that happen to me? Or is this right. something I'm, because also you're seeing it now, if you watch yourself do that Tony performance, I'm sure it's like, who is that girl? It must feel yeah. like a different lifetime. Totally. 100%. I was just watching, uh, do you remember Triumph, the insult comedy dog was with all of you guys on the red carpet? I do not remember that. <laughs> it's really funny. I'm going to send you the YouTube. It is the greatest. Yeah. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. So I'm going to send so it to you to remind you of how funny it's like your whole cast is around this like dog puppet who's making fun of Broadway. Um, how okay, long right. did you, <laughs> I'm sending it to you. How long did you stay in the show before you knew it was time to exit? About a year. So the show opened in December and I think I left in October. Um, I th- am pretty sure that's what happened. It was about a year. Yeah. And did you know Next to Normal was happening? Where were you in that uh, sort of journey with that show? No. So I had, I got a, a new agent during Spring Awakening and um, there I didn't know anything about the show before I auditioned for it, other than there were workshops that uh, people that I knew were involved in, I guess, had had talked about it. But um, yeah, no, that was just uh, an audition. And I remember, you know, that I was like, well, if I stay in Spring Awakening, I'll I'll hopefully get to replace be Vendla. Yeah, like I yeah. was like, oh, I'll be able to replace Leah and be Vendla. That would be so cool. But then um, and I almost passed on my next normal audition. I even tried to pass on it. And my agent called me and was like, no, 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 this is the role. Like you need, you need to do this. So I went on that audition and yeah. And I remember my parents even talking about a lot of, um, my parents had conversations with some of the other parents of spring awakening cast members and whoever else, their friends who were like, you know, how, this Broadway show is like a surefire thing. And, and how do you know that you, that you're doing the right thing and taking this chance on going, you know, to play this, this role in this off Broadway show. But, you know, Michael Greif was attached and it was just this really, this thing I just, I guess I had to do. So tell me about booking next to normal. Was it something that you started to get very attached to like, Oh, I want to play this part. I think yes. Subconscious. I think when I, when I auditioned, I was still very new to auditioning and I don't think I understood how to really process what I was auditioning for. I kind of just knew how to like do the scenes and sing the song. And I enjoyed doing both of those things in the audition. Um, and they, they, I, I just remember them laughing really hard at my kind of like deadpan, like sarcasm thing that I wasn't even trying to do. I honestly was just like, like, that's I, who I am. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just saying these lines. And <laughs> then, um, And, you know, I didn't even belt in my audition. Superboy and the Invisible Girl, I, like, mixed it. And I heard other girls in there before me, like, who sounded, like, sensational. And I was like, oh, my God, I I can't do that. But I guess there was just – there was just a vibe, you know, where it was like, yeah, this – this. And, um, yeah, they (laughs) called me, like – they called me as I was leaving the building which was the coolest thing ever. That was so, and and they yeah. were like, you're, you're our Natalie. You have to come back. That's yeah. Like, that is so cool. And I'm sure you still had no idea how much 
this role is going to change your life. I mean, that yeah. it was you're now you're a Broadway principal in this new musical that's going to win a Pulitzer and all of these things. Did you feel any pressure of, okay, I'm a principal in a new Broadway show. I have to change my life or change how I work. Did any of that feel daunting to you at, you know, 16, 17? Um, there, maybe I should have changed no, my ways better, a little. It's better that you didn't, I guess. Well, I was very like stubborn. Like there, there are ways I behaved in rehearsal rooms where I look back now and I'm like, oh my God. Like I was, I wasn't like diva, but like I was really shy and really stubborn. And, you know, Michael Greif would ask me to do things and I would literally say like, I'm, I don't want to do that. And I, I'm looking back now and I'm like, what was I thinking? Like, and thank God the, these people grew to love me because I was a very like, yeah, I was a tough cookie. Like, I don't know how else to describe it, but. Um, Do you think that's just because you understood who the character was and you knew what was right for you and not where a lot of young people don't understand how to put their own voice in the room. I've talked to so many young people who have been part of creating Broadway shows when they're young and they don't know how to put their stamp on it because they're just taking in all the notes. Did you feel like you felt so confident about it? I don't think it was that I was trying to make it my own and have a say. I think that I, you know, um, and it took a while to find this, but there were obviously like, there were things about Natalie when I, in the script, when I first got there where I think she slowly morphed into more, you know, more like me, I guess you could say, but like, there were things about, like, it was when she, uh, you know, ODs or <laughs> if you could call it that and goes to the club there was like you know Greif wanted me to be like grinding up against like Adam and like really dancing in the club and I remember being like I can't do that like I don't know and he was like you have to dance you have to do it like right now it was like my parents like they were like you have to do this Jen and I, I remember just like I was like sit, standing there with my iced coffee and I was just like, I can't dance like this. I can't do this. And, you know, little things like that were like, I wish, you know, I, I look back and I, I realize that's what most people go to acting school for is to kind get of like yeah. to do all of that stuff and like Running get it out of your like system. Giraffe. Yeah. That's, yes. That's, you didn't have a chance to get to do that. I didn't have a chance to get to do that. So I kind of had to do it in weird ways in rehearsal rooms. And that, you know, was its own challenge, but I guess, you know, unique to my, to my path, I guess. So next to normal at second stage and on Broadway to me were like wildly different shows. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the rare exceptions where I've seen a show you know, move from off-Broadway to Broadway and really actually improve on every moment. You know, yeah. what, tell me about that experience of sort of being part of something that was ever evolving. I mean, yeah, they are two completely different shows. And honestly, working on the show in DC in between those two productions is my favorite, one of my favorite memories of that, of that whole experience of Next to Normal, because um, I feel like that's where the show really became the show. And I feel like that's where we all really established these, these offstage relationships as well, which was a huge part, um, of what made it what it was, I think. So it seems like this role was super complex. What kind of research were you doing and what kind of things were Michael Greif helping you with to figure out who this girl was? Were you reading about, tell me. Michael, like, <laughs> Michael gave me a list of movies. The one I remember watching, well, I watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and I remember watching Francis, um, and he, you know, trying to understand, uh, he was trying to get me to understand more about mental illness and ECT and, um, you know, to imagine that this is happening to my mother. Um, and I think, I think it helped um, but I honestly, again, I still think there was a huge, uh, there was a huge part of me, again, not really understanding that I think luckily ended up working to my advantage because it kind of gave the role looking back now that I'm older, I can say this, this kind of like, you know, um, innocence that I think worked. Uh, but yeah, it, it, 
again, I didn't even understand how to do research at the time, but Michael did give me a list of movies and I watched a couple of them and I was like, this is crazy. Um, and (laughs) yeah, I guess just to learn a little bit more about what was actually happening in the show. And I mean, looking back now, I'm like, geez, could write, could write it. Part of why you were so brilliant in that role is that you, we weren't watching a 30 year old play, you know, a 16 year old and deal with that. Like you're, you're in your body and you were relating to things as they were happening, which was probably like very emotional. I imagine like to carry that backpack with you. I've talked to Alice Ripley a lot about how she said that, that, that role, you know, sort of chained her to a pole in the basement and gave her enough food to, to eat and water to drink, but that it really gave her, you know, so much to, to have to carry every day. What was that like on your side of it? I just like love Alice's fearlessness in talking about this. I just, God, she's my hero. Um, you know, yes, literally I feel like it was just one of those really special experiences where I had, I, it was like over a span of like three years and the role just kind of became me and I just kind of became the role and I didn't really have, like I said, any kind of real method, but I just know that I, yeah, I just grew to, um, be this person, um, not really in my real life, but I, you understood her in a way probably because of your age that you couldn't have possibly if you were 10 years older doing it. Right. And that's what I mean is it was a really special thing, but I don't think I'd be able to recreate it. I don't think there was really, uh, like I said, a a method. So it was just one of those, you know, shooting star kind of things. Okay. So we have to talk about the Tonys because this is a really big moment. The Tonys. Tonys. Okay. Mm -hmm. So is there rumblings? Do you think it's going to happen? Where are you (laughs) mentally when this big moment happens for you and you get your first Tony nomination. Well, I remember after the review for the reviews for opening night came out and, you know, I was being told by people that like Ben Brantley said something like nice about me in the times and that that was a big deal. And I remember being on the phone with my manager and agent after opening night and they were like, okay, so we have to start a Tony campaign. And I was like, okay, let's go. Um, (laughs) but you know, uh, You're like, I've been to the Tonys before. Yeah, I was like, oh, the Tonys? Sure. So I had a publicist at the time who, yeah, was just out there um, trying to get me, you know, interviews and things like that. And, uh, you know, we were performing in Times Square. We were doing all these different things. Um, And I remember the night before the Tonys, I went, before the nominations came out, I went home to my parents' house because I was just like so nervous. And yeah, then woke up to all these messages on my BlackBerry, my BlackBerry at the Ooh, time. I miss my BlackBerry every day. I think about Tell it me about all it. the time. Uh, it was, we were we were better people. It was so nice to have buttons. Um, yes. Okay, so you're getting it. You get a Tony nomination, and you're 17. Mm-hmm. That's pretty big. So, do you have moments where you stepped outside of yourself, be like, I cannot believe this is happening, or are you just like focus straight ahead? Honestly. It's kind of like I've been saying, I look back now and I'm like, wait, I can't, I can't curse on this. Can I? I mean, no, go ahead. I'm not going to. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was going to say, no, it's fine. But like, I look back now and I'm like, wow, like that was, that was incredible. But at the time I was just kind of like, yeah, like going with the flow, going like rolling with the punches. I was like, this is, it was, it was so incredible. And I think it just, it all just happened and made sense as it happened. And I wasn't really, again, I, I don't think I understood enough, like just as a person to really yeah. get how special that was. The Tony race thing is so wild. And I don't think a lot of people understand it about doing your eight shows a week and right. you're going to press luncheons and you're doing interviews. You know, it's, it really is like a political campaign in, in ways <laughs> and you were going to school. So how did you manage mm-hmm. that time that like, you know, six weeks of your life? Um, well, I think school, school. So I, I literally turned 18, like a week after that. Um, but school, school was done and I was supposed to be graduating that summer. Um, my mom made me call out of the show to do that and I didn't want to, but I did it anyway. Okay. And Broadway um, problems. (laughs) Probably, probably. (laughs) 
But yeah, um, I guess it's different, right? Like I guess in TV and film, like you've already made the thing. So you and don't have to do just, it at night. Yeah. yeah, you don't have to do it every day. And I was like, wait, hold on. We can't like wake up at like four in the morning and do like Good Morning America and then have two shows like this is insanity. But of course, you know, I you love it. it. It's yeah. like there's nothing better. But yeah, I mean, I lost my voice countless times, but it, it is, yeah, it's just like a, it's such a, it's just a crazy time. It's a crazy time in the community, but it's, it's so fun. I mean, who was your, who was your date to the Tonys? My, <laughs> my boyfriend at the time, <laughs> which I don't regret, but you know, do Got I wish it. It, I brought my dad instead? Sure. Okay, um, they were, my family was all still there and they loved it, but yes, I was a, a child who was like, you know, I'm going to bring like my boyfriend. 30, but 17. I got you. Yeah. So were you auditioning <laughs> for Spider-Man like during this next normal time? Towards the end. Yeah. So okay. towards the end of my next normal experience, which was like a year and like a year and a half ish, I want to say. Um, Cause you guys all left next normal together. Me and Alice did. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. The um, ladies. The ladies, ladies exited. The yes. ladies exited and she went to do the tour, which I was going to do. Oh. And then Spider-Man came into my all life. Right. We, here we go. <laughs> Buckle up, everybody. Turn up the volume. We're about to talk about <laughs> Spider-Man. Turn up the dark. Okay. Oh, all right. I, I don't know where to start, but we're just going to, it's your third Broadway show. You've graduated to the female lead. You went through these like three versions or in the ensemble covering the lead, the, you know, secondary female lead. And now you're the female lead of a huge Broadway musical. Uh, mm -hmm. What were you thinking going into this enormous process? I was so excited. I was like, this is like, this is like star stuff. I was like, this is, this is awesome. Um, I could not have wanted it more and I could not have been more excited to start. Oh my God. I love that. So tell me about the rehearsal process. I mean, I mean, <laughs> like watching so your face. When we, I, you know, so like the first, the first rehearsal process, I guess, um, we were in New 42. Uh, <laughs> can you see? Can you I see the PTSD? I literally in my could aura? see the PTSD and I could see the memories <laughs> flashing like one of those, you know, viewfinder things. You're like, oh. Well, look, the first day of rehearsal, they did this um, presentation where they showed us, you know, all of these diagrams and pictures. And I like to call that the meeting of things that will never happen. Right. <laughs> the meeting of things that will never happen. But a lot of those things did happen. All right. Um, but it was just so exciting. Everyone introduced themselves and it was just really cool. And Spider-Man was just, that was nonstop for me. Like I was leaving rehearsal for wig fittings. We were going to do like some event at night. Like that was like true at the time to me, it felt like the kind of press of if I had been in like a television show or in yeah. a big movie, but it was, a you know, still a Broadway musical. So it was like a combo of a lot of, that was just nonstop. It was absolutely nonstop, but the rehearsal process itself wasn't like the easiest thing for me. Um, but I still, I still look, you know, I still look back on it pretty fondly now, but there was a, there was a lot about it that was difficult. It took a lot for everyone's styles to like kind of merge and work. And it was a very collaborative process. So there was a lot of different creative energy around. And I think that got overwhelming at times. How but, do you navigate um, doing your job when other things around you are not working in that, in that way? Because you got to be in a little bit of like the musical part of Spider-Man. And then there was right. this like extravaganza around you, but you were the grounded, like real person doing like real scene work and singing beautiful songs. And I thought you were dynamite in that show. So Thank bravo, you. amazing work. But oh like gosh. some of the stuff around you is probably like, well, like how do yeah. you do your job when that stuff is going on? You must have seen a really good show because I don't know. I can't even tell you what I was doing in, in the show. Um, in I did see version. the very first preview. <laughs> And oh I went, God. I did go back, but I was at that three and a half hour preview. What a time. Yes. What a time. I mean, yeah, I was kind of very separated from 
all the other things happening um, in the first version of the show, at least. I had to do a little bit more in the second version. We can get to that when we talk about it. But I, yeah, it was hard because I'm coming from next to normal where it's all about, it's, it could not be more different. You know, yeah. it's all about my, it's all about like subtlety and my emotions and this and that. And Spider-Man was just very different. And I remember, you know, Julie is like a puppeteer. Like she definitely wanted me to be bigger and brighter. And it was a huge house. It was just, a. it wasn't as, it was harder than I thought it was going to be to you know, it was still a cool rock musical, but you, but there was, it was just a huge, it, it was a very, um, it was harder to play to that house, um, than I, than I thought it would be. So sometimes I feel like I was separated from everything, but I felt a little like too separated sometimes. Okay. Um, yeah. it was, it was hard to like bridge both worlds, which I guess was kind of my role in the show. Um, and the show underwent tons of changes, obviously, during the first preview, the longest preview period in musical theater Broadway history. And yes. you open version <laughs> one, and then you go back into previews to open version two with a new kind of director in the mix. How are you keeping track of, like, uh, what show am I doing this evening? <laughs> like, Let me tell you. Did I you did have it. a system? <laughs> no, no. I didn't have any kind of system. Um yeah, I mean, I talk about this so candidly. Like, I definitely was not doing that well. Like, it was difficult. And I was young, yeah. still very young. I was 19, 20 um, during that whole time. And I got very anxious. And I started having panic attacks on stage during that second version. And I think it started because... I, uh, they changed it so that my solo that I was singing, um, on the ground during the first version, I now was singing from a floating fire escape that came from like, you know, the highest point of the theater and swung over the audience while I had to sing this like quiet 11 o'clock number. And that was just like very scary and hard for me. Yeah. I had witnessed Chris, uh, falling. Chris fell, you know, right in front of my face and I was a part of that, like literally like, you know, saw that happen. And then I don't think, um, I don't think anyone was prepared for how to really come back from that. And we did, but it definitely, maybe if I was older, it would have been a little different, but because of my age and it just, it was a very, it was hard for me from that point forward. It was really now hard. I just had Lindsay Hately, who played Carrie in the Carrie musical on the podcast, and she kind of was talking about that experience of Carrie being, uh, there's so much that people don't know. What right. do what do people not know about Spider-Man <laughs> that you think that people should know about, about that experience for you, either specifically for you or just in general about the show? Um, I mean, there's, so, there's actually too much I could say, <laughs> and I won't. But I'll say, like, for me personally, like I said, I that was the beginning of a very intense anxiety. Um, I mean, that was that was a horribly anxious time for me. That anxiety and stage fright kind of has stayed with me here and there. I've learned to navigate through it since then. But I think that's where it really all began. Um, and. I, yeah, I was definitely like burnt out and that was, that was a really tough time for me. But, um, I guess other things people don't know. I mean, come on. I don't, I don't know my, my dating life. I mean, <laughs> what do you want me to say? <laughs> I mean, this, there, this podcast is a safe space. Listen, let, very I, I, safe want, space. I want everyone to go be 19 in Spider-Man <laughs> on Broadway in exactly those same circumstances and tell me what you would do. Okay. I want everyone to just do that. <laughs> I think you handled it really well. I mean, I, for, you know, I'm sure the, the press felt like it was circling and, and then, you know, it becomes like everyone's talking about it in the business yeah. and it's like a lot to carry. It's a lot to walk in the stage door and like do the job that you're being paid for. And so hats off yeah. to you for doing that for, you know, a year and change of, you know, these multiple versions of the show and, you know, coming out and people knowing that your work was, you know, wonderful. And I think yeah. that that's something to hold on to for you just as like you did great work in the show. 
Yeah, I really appreciate you saying that. And I think a lot of, you know, some of the music in the show, to me, I loved so much. Like there was a lot. uh, uh, Let me also say this. We all loved each other very much. And there was something very, very, very special about that experience that I wouldn't, wouldn't change for the entire world. Like, and it was still, again, there were many, many times throughout that experience that were the best and were so fun and were amazing. And all the magic that comes with creating a musical, like we had that a lot of the time. Um, there was a lot of that. It wasn't all, it wasn't all bad. It really wasn't. And that's something people should know that like at the end of the day, yeah, we were, we were putting on a show and we were proud of that. What was so cool to me that I remember is that there was like a little, like maybe 10 year old boy sitting in front of me dressed as Spider-Man and he had the time of his life. Like, and this was like a show (laughs) that was like kind of uh, maybe a little bit for boys for a minute on Broadway. And I thought that was a really cool thing that we may have gotten a theater fan out of a kid who may have never seen a Broadway show. And, you know, there was, there was some, there was some like really special things, obviously, when the show worked, it worked in a really cool way. And I'm sure that was very cool to watch, to be on stage and see this guy like shoot out into the mezzanine. Like we'll never, ever see that again. That will, that won't ever happen. Right. And that was, that's, that's the chance, you know, that's the chance everyone took with that show was that it it would be worth the experience enough for a certain, certain amount of people, at least. Tell me about your fourth Broadway show, which was American Psycho, um, where you played the female lead again in that show with again, your co-star Flash Alice Ripley. Of lightning. Yes. Flash of lightning. Yes. Um, that you're, you know, there we are back on Broadway. Was there, were you afraid to sort of take on another Broadway show after Spider-Man? Did you want to do other things? Talk to me about that. Well, some years had gone. Yeah. Hi, honey. Like I was not, I wasn't working for No, but you minute. did like a billion readings and concerts and you were I busy. I did readings and concerts. Yes. yes. Yeah. No, I was busy, but Spider-Man came at the end of like five years straight of eight shows a week. I can't even tell you. I don't think I had, I can't, I had no time off and it was five years and I was like done. So after Spider-Man, I was chilling. I was like, drinking with my friends and like eating bagels. Like I was just like, I'm going to live my life. I was almost like in college for a couple of years, still auditioning, obviously, but I just don't think, I think I needed a second. And, um, then yeah, then American psycho came into my life. And I think it was the perfect time. It was like a few years later. Um, and to me it was really exciting because it was kind of like, okay, so that wasn't all just a fluke. I wasn't just this (laughs) weird Broadway teen moment person, whatever that was. Like, I was like, I think I'm going to keep doing this with my life. It's going to work into my adulthood. I felt like confident about uh, getting that role. And I was so excited to work with Duncan again, who's like my guardian angel of casting me. And then you worked with him last year in Ted and Alice and Mary and Bob. And yes, yes. that's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, and yeah, and Alice being a part of it too is so awesome. I mean, and, and Ben Walker was such an amazing co-star Helena. We had so much fun that, I mean, I I really wish more people saw that show, but that show has crazy super fans. Did you, did you feel that? Could you feel like that audience was like so with it? Yeah. Yeah. The people that loved it, loved it. I think, you know, maybe it just wasn't the right climate for that show. At that time, but it was still so cool. I mean, objectively, in my opinion, I thought I thought what we were doing was really freaking cool. Speaking of Duncan Sheik, like having been a child, literally your first job and your last couple, you know, jobs to be with them, be with him. Do you feel uh, how is how is it different working as an adult with with Duncan as it is when you were a kid? It's funny because I feel like anyone I worked with as a kid, when even when I see like Michael Greif these days, I'm I'm like 16 again. Like I'm just still that person I was when I met them. I'm always like kind of nervous and don't know if I'm doing the right thing. Duncan and I have a good like creative relationship though. Like in my first Spring Awakening audition, I, I believe Duncan is the reason that I was cast. I remember I started singing and he was just like, so I could just tell he really loved my voice. And I was like that his energy made me feel like I'm, I was doing the right thing. And then when American Psycho came, I was like, okay, you know, I felt good about it because of my, my relationship with him. And I, I felt like he, you know, he likes my voice and, um, and he can and write then, for you. I mean, he knows 
what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Great. um, and then Bob and Carolyn Ted and Alice was an offer because I my maybe my first offer ever. I had just done a workshop with Scott Elliott, the director, and Duncan was a part of it. So you know, again, I was like great. So you're doing also a lot of film and TV projects. You think that your life will go more in that direction or is the goal to do both? Like, what do you, what do you want to do when the world sort of reopens? What would be the ideal Jennifer Damiano job? Well, I mean, I wasn't doing, I guess, as much TV and film as I, as I would have liked to. I mean, I did like a good amount of indie films, you know, I had like my Gossip Girl moment. I remember the Gossip Girl <laughs> moment. Like, it's like, oh my God, that's a girl from Random Farms. <laughs> I mean, it just didn't like, <clears throat> TV and film is a little, it's easier for me now. Um, for a long time, it was very hard to place me and cast me, I think, in in TV and film. Like in musicals, it was a lot I don't know. That just came more naturally to me and it was a little easier, but TV film is still something I'm like, I absolutely want to do that. 100%. I would like to do both in my life. And I think I'm closer, um, to breaking into that world a little bit more than I was, but you know, I'm always going to be like a musical theater girl. Like it's never going to change. Broadway ASAP. Yeah. Well, you know, there, I, I was doing a show called, um, I was going to be doing a show called black no more, um, at the signature theater with the new group, um, in August, last August. So whenever theater comes back, um, a really, really special, really amazing show is coming your way off Broadway first. Um, obviously. <laughs> you seem to always get involved in very cool things and you have such a chill, calm energy, which is probably why you survived this insanity. Jen, we have to do obsessed and quick fire questions. So what are you obsessed with right now? <clears throat> like what, what wise, what do you mean? I need, I mean, anything TV, movie, Instagram account, which we know you're not on right now, but what are you yes. obsessed with? What's getting you through? What's getting me through? I mean, not TV no. Not the snow. TV is really getting me through. Okay. Right. TV is getting me through. Yes. Not being on Instagram is also, that's been really helpful. I mean, I just finished this series. I hate Susie on HBO. I watched it. I loved that. Um, I mean, you name it. I've, I've seen it okay. during this pandemic and then yeah, television and, um, and yeah. Yeah, TV. <laughs> I have this this week is I've got I've gotten crazy about buying vinyl records. Like I am buying really? so many records all week long because I'm so bored. And then they come to my house and I listen to them and it brings me wow. some real joy. So that's cute. See, I don't have anything cute. Like I'm like very boring right I, now. I'm, you're I'm not like, boring. You have a really nice microphone. So those of you at mic. home can really enjoy how clear. Listen for me on um, an AstraZeneca uh, voiceover on your televisions. Come, it came at you live right from this from this from room. This very right. Okay, these are the Broadway Workshop quick fire questions. They're oh questions gosh. that I put together with a group of students for you, Jennifer Damiano. Here we go. First audition song, "Torn" by Natalie Imbruglia. Yes. First Broadway show you saw, uh, "Kiss Me, Kate." All right. Have you ever turned down a Broadway offer? No way, honey. <laughs> Tell us one thing about working with Alice Ripley. I mean, uh, my favorite person, I, I, my favorite person like in the whole world. I, I can't even it. describe it. I mean, I was so obsessed with Sideshow in 1997. It Changed my life. Okay. She's incredible. She, she, okay. She used to play the guitar uh, in DC after the show for us. That was, that's one of my favorite things that's ever that's happened. If you can go back in time and do one performance of anything from your career, what would it be? Oh, it's gotta be next to normal. Come on. Yeah. You know, fill in the blank. Benjamin Walker is amazing. He's so good looking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's the, he was the best co-star ever. What? I'm totally fine with that. Um, what do you <laughs> want on your bagel? Oh, um, scallion cream cheese. Strangest fan interaction. Um, oh gosh. Well, someone, I don't know if this is an interaction, but well, I, I don't even know. I don't know. Strangest fan interaction. I don't know. People, I've seen things online. If anyone's listening, if you said something mean about me as when I was younger, I probably saw it. So Aww. thanks for that weird interaction. <laughs> right. What is your go-to album for a car trip? 
Um, any th- uh, third eye blind. Usually. One, yes. One show you'll never get over not booking. Ooh, I, I don't know if I have an answer for that. Okay, Cause you book it. You're a booker. Well, um, maybe. <laughs> have you ever called out mid show? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, who's a person from spring awakening you talk to most? Ooh, uh, Robbie, Robbie Hager. I want blank movie to be a musical. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know, but I want Fiona Apple to make a musical and I want oh, to be in it. <laughs> what role should Patty Lapone play in the American Girl show? Oh my gosh. Molly, for sure. 100%. Like, cent- like front and center. Can you name two real housewives? Yes, yes, yes. Um, Caroline Manzo. And um, let's see. I mean, wh- why... Uh, why do I forget their last last names? Do Literally, a, do you have a first name. I mean, yes, like Ramona. You know, yes, I met okay. Ramona at a party. I'll never forget it. How was she? Um, she took my phone number. Um, because she was like, "Oh, like, what do you do?" I was like, "I'm an actor." She was like, "Then I should be, you know, happy. I'm taking a picture with you." And like, I typed my phone number. I'm gonna take a picture with you, okay? Yeah. Um, all right. Name a musical you're okay with never seeing again. Ooh, I feel like that's that that would come back to me in some negative way. All right, there, but it definitely it. exists. I know. Um, <laughs> like mine's like Fiddler. Like I don't need to see Fiddler ever again. But you know, you it's great. Like yeah. it's great. I love it. I just don't need to see it again. Right. Like, I'm good on that. I'm good on right. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm always happy to go to the theater. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your go-to in between shows food? Um, like a banana. Starving. Um, oh my god! But that, uh, that's not what I really meant. Oh, like an actual like meal. Like where do you go? Maybe you don't. Oh, eat where do I go? Food. I used to always go to Kodama, which is yes. oh, sounds really sad. Or like um, Gotham Market and get some kind of like salad. One of my questions here used to be: Have you ever gotten food poisoning at Kodama? Um, <gasps> no, because never. that is a very. I've gotten there so many times. Okay. Um, <laughs> do you have any Spider-Man things in your home? Yes, I have a piece of uh, Chris's suit on the night that he fell. I have um, a cardboard cutout of Mary Jane that, like, was a part of the set that um, that was like discarded. Uh, a lot of things. Yeah. Well, cool. who makes you starstruck? Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Ah, uh, I mean, like. Again, I said Fiona Apple before, but Fiona Apple made me starstruck. If I ever met Elaine Stritch, I I would fall over and die. Well, it'd be really um, hard to meet her now, but I know. But if uh, I had, if, had, if I had, that would really um, mean something. I met to her me. once, and she was really? everything, everything you wanted her to be. Stop! That makes me um, so sad. It was just magical. She like came into a rehearsal of a show I was doing, and like <gasps> sat in the back and started yelling notes out. Stop! Um, for sure that she Stop. was not. In. It was magic. Okay. Oh god, that's um, what I want. How much money would it take you to skydive? Um, a lot. I'm not your girl. I I'm not your outdoor girl. But you know what? I I would do it. I have a high tolerance for like you know, Spider Man pushing my it. yeah. I did Spider Man. I would skydive for right. a lot of money. <laughs> Last two questions. What movie can you watch over and over? Oh my gosh, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And what advice do you have for young performers? <sighs> Okay, I'm still giving myself this advice every single day. It is to not compare yourself to other people um, and focus on focus on you. Focus on what you're doing. Focus on what you bring to things that no one else could. You know what what makes you you. What makes what makes your work singular. Um, yes. And don't try and do what anyone else is doing. I love it. Um, I normally would say tell the people where they can find you. Right. But I'm so cool. You're so cool. You can't find me on the internet, but I will be back. You'll be back. But maybe by the time time this comes out, you'll be back on the internet. Yeah. And I could post it up like the Um, good old days. Jen, you are such a delight. I'm so grateful you took the time to chat with me. You have such an interesting story and uh, I can't wait to see you back on stage soon. Thank you so much for joining me today. 
Thank you. This was so fun. And if you're loving Little Me Podcast, remember to follow us on Instagram at Little Me Podcast and follow me, Mark Tuminelli, at Mark Tuminelli. I'm not leaving Instagram anytime soon. <laughs> and uh, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Bye, Jen. Bye. Thank you, listeners. This podcast is produced by Alan Seals, Dory Berenstein, and the Broadway Podcast Network and edited by Derek Gunther. For more information on the Little Me podcast, go to bpn.fm slash little me. And follow me on Instagram at Mark Tuminelli or on Twitter at That Tuminelli. And for more information on workshops, classes, and everything Broadway Workshop, go to broadwayworkshop.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.